2: In Tullahoma, Tennessee. Arrived to the short hike and parked in the parking lot, where my girlfriend at the time remarked how unusual it was to see another car there, much less one from out of state, Illinois tags. It was a green Jeep Grand Cherokee, the boxy type from the early 2000s. Up ahead of us, and traveling towards us, was a man, about 5 feet 9 or so in his 50s, white, gray hair, wearing a light jacket with a collar. He saw us and immediately flipped his collar up and hid his face under the brim of his hat. I remember thinking how strange his behavior was. The hike was maybe a tenth of a mile. The sight was the waterfall and you could see it from the road if it weren't for the line of trees and brush in front of the cliff leading down. As we approached and the man left, there was a rustling in the base of that line of brush. I squinted and thought I made out some kind of small animal. When I got closer I saw it was a woman's head and shoulders grasping at a few small bush stumps to keep from falling off the cliff. It's a girl, I exclaimed, and she immediately lost her grip. Looked over the edge and saw the last second of what I imagine was a very painful fall. Her legs were over her head and she was tumbling down the slanted cliff, roughly 40 feet down. This isn't a book and nobody's gonna read this so I'll cut to the chase. Me and my buddy climbed down the cliff, carried her back up, and waited for the cops. She came to as we finished giving our account of the events and told us the last thing she remembered she was in a bar in Chicago talking to a nice old man she had just met, and then she came to at the cliff where he had his hands around her throat. She said he shoved her off the cliff when we pulled up fully expected to be in court one day describing this to someone, but 13 years later, nothing. As a young rookie police officer named Johnny, I had seen my fair share of strange things on the job, but nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to face in that national park. When I got the call about a murder there, I didn't expect it to be anything out of the ordinary, But as I arrived at the scene, it became clear that something was amiss. The victim had been torn apart in a way that no human could have done. I started to piece together the clues and realized that the only logical explanation was that the killer was a Bigfoot type of creature. The corpse had unusual marks and paw prints on it, too big to be an ordinary animal. Also I had heard stories of Bigfoot sightings in the area, but I had never believed in them until now. As I started to investigate further, I began to see signs of the creature's presence all around me. Large footprints in the mud, broken branches and disturbed earth. I knew I had to find the creature or allow him to find me. Unintentionally, I found a clue on the corpse that led me to a local cave. There was a certain kind of flower on the corpse, only found on a part of park where there is a cave. I didn't tell anyone about my discovery. I decided to venture alone there. So, I went there. I made my way inside and found nothing. Strange. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. Suddenly, a massive figure loomed out of the darkness. It was a Bigfoot, and it was angry. The creature tackled me, and I tried to fought back as best I could, but it was no use. The Bigfoot was too strong and too fast. As I lay on the ground, I realized that I might not make it out of this cave alive. I tried to run away, but the creature was too fast. It grabbed me by the arm and lifted me off the ground, its hot breath on my face. I closed my eyes and braced for the end, but it didn't come. Fortunately, the Bigfoot heard something behind him. I didn't, but I was sure he had some superior hearing abilities. It was something far away, that interested him more than killing me. I guess. He put me down and vanished into the woods. I was shaken and confused. I returned to a park ranger station, tried to explain to people there what happened. They mocked me. They said that Bear attacked a young camper, and that they wrote it off as an accident. I tried to persuade them, that that wasn't true. But they just said that I smoked some weird shit, and that I'll get fired for it. What the F? This story was told to me by an uncle. He is a park ranger in Ontario. He frequently comments on his work being relatively calm after pandemic, mostly because there are fewer tourists. However, he still has to go out in the wilderness and check on his stuff. One day he had to go through the woods with a colleague, and there were reports of people hanging around without permission. Nothing unusual, just some visitors who are just mean teenagers. Sometimes the issue with these reports was that there were numerous sightings of people carrying all sorts of luggage, like axes and animal skulls, just weird stuff. People can be pretty racist in these parts. It's possible these are the Algonquin people. After all, this is their land. Like imagine unhinged people worshipping Odin in the cold wilderness of modern-day Canada. Aside from whatever occult stuff they were pulling up, according to my uncle, you can find many loons, mad men, and weird people in the woods. There was a word of bonfires, and it was what truly worried the rangers. Nobody was in the mood to deal with a fire in the middle of a health apocalypse, especially considering the past events in California and the Amazonian jungle. Like Canada, surely it is cold, but nobody wanted to see mass fires provoked by mad people. So. They hiked across the wilderness and saw all the normal things. They checked on the state of the trails, if the seasonal animals were doing fine, the state of vegetation, and that sort of stuff. The further they advanced, the more they begin to find strange things, odd symbols carved into the tree's crust. Some seemed like runes. Residues such as trash. Those weird Odin worshippers didn't mind eating modern-day snacks, It seemed marks on the ground and small signals here and there about people camping in places not for the general public. Like people had been actively going around the wilderness, but my uncle and his colleague, John, let's call him that, never encountered campers. Whoever was going around had already left. My uncle and his partner would always find weird stuff, like one time a cape and a helmet and even a real sword someone had been putting on some Nordic cult stuff or something like that. There would also be incense and some other religious miscellaneous items. One night, my uncle and John decided to settle their camp next to a huge elm tree, with the hopes of the tree covering their tent from the winds at night when temperatures would reach very, very low. They ate heated beans and rice while talking about stuff and exchanging stories. Every night, They'd use a portable radio to talk with people in the base area, exchanging news. At some point, my uncle's colleague goes to the trees to empty his bladder, and my uncle waits by the fire. Nothing out of the blue. The time passes, and my uncle does not hear John returning. His partner was this huge man in his forties, a chatty person whom you'd frequently hear even before he reached the camp. So my uncle begins looking at the sides to catch a glimpse of what was going on, but he saw nothing. John was carrying a lantern, so at least one could have expected to see the lights by the trees, but all my uncle saw was black. The minutes began to pass, and he called for John, asking if things were fine. No, that's when he realized the woods were strangely quiet. There was no wind nor the natural sounds you'd expect to hear at night, nothing, And that got him on alert. John would sometimes play a harmless prank or two, especially considering their line of work wasn't the most active of them all, and they spent days outside, but this time things were too calm and quiet to be natural. Things were off. My uncle knew it, so he began to ask towards the nothingness if everything was okay. Was John fine? Where was he? Nobody answered. Well, the wind did. It started to blow stronger and stronger. It straight up seemed like somebody was trying to settle in the atmosphere of a horror movie. My uncle then heard a subtle whisper at his right side. He tried to pay attention to the sound and pulling his body to that side. It was a man's voice, a weak one. My uncle got up, grabbed his light and the rifle, went into the woods. The fire was weak enough to make sure no accidents would happen while he was away. So he walked towards the bigger trees. He kept on asking if John was fine. The voice was slowly getting stronger the more he entered into the wilderness, until he could hear John's voice calling his name for help. That's when my uncle stops. Something was off. Even if that voice seemed like John's, he's already had to help him once, and the times John seriously asked for help his tone was different. Like the voice was the same, so the modulations, but the tone did not match. And the tone of our voices is pretty much dictated by our moods. This was not John. A ball of anxiety grew in my uncle's body, and he is one of the more stoic and calm men I've ever met. The certainty was there, something that wasn't John was calling for him. But my uncle had his rifle and light prepared. He never went to the church or seemed to believe in that sort of thing. But he also told me that sometimes you had to respect the rules of the wild. He began to move the lights in front of him to the side, inside alert and waiting. If John was fooling around, he already would have seen it. But what my uncle saw was something else entirely. It was very tall, like 4 or 5 meters. In front of my uncle was a very small clearing surrounded by older and taller trees. The figure was a shady thing around 8 or 9 meters away from him. It had no gender and was too tall to be a person. The creature was thin and had antlers. In fact, it seemed like its head was a moose's skull. It was blurry at first, he thought those weird cultists were using an animal's head, but it was far too large and tall to be a person. It would have to have been very uncomfortable to walk around in that in the middle of the night. And the short hairs of my uncle's nape stood up. This being moved towards him. My uncle yelled out as a warning. It stayed quiet, and he readied his rifle. It called him with John's voice but much more distorted and crackly. My uncle firing into the air then turning on his heels and running. The sound that thing made was not human. My uncle ran and ran, even though I listened to the dark wilderness, Which unfortunately he got lost and had to wait for daylight to find the trail. He only had his light, and even that was dying. In the morning, John was there waiting for him worried. He had heard my uncle calling for him at night and another bunch of weird strange noises that he could not quite understand. When he had returned to the campsite, nobody was there. My uncle was not answering his calls, and so this is what they both believed to have been a windigo. I'm not too sure about that either, is he? But it's definitely speculated that what they saw and encountered was of the supernatural. I've lived in Idaho all my life and spent a lot of time outside or in the wilderness as a kid. My grandparents would take me camping and my older brother and I would always hike up whatever trail we could find to get a view of the sunset. On one of these occasions, something terrifying happened. We were up at a campsite I only know as Warm River, the river there never freezes over, and my brother and I were on a regular evening hike. There was an old tunnel bored through the mountain at one part of the trail, probably an old train tunnel, and we were walking through it when I heard something I'll never forget. After walking through probably two-third of the way through the tunnel, I heard a terrible screech at the end we entered through. The screech wasn't like anything I'd heard before. I've heard the screams of animals on dark and windy nights. I even think I've heard Bigfoot calls a few times, but never the metallic, grinding screech I heard that day. The point is, whatever the sound was, it did not sound natural in any capacity. I probably jumped five feet in the air when I heard it, and my brother shouted a few choice curses before shooing me quickly to the exit of the tunnel. At this point, My brother decided we should just continue walking and head back after whatever made the noise hopefully cleared out. We didn't have any firearms on us, so I was pretty upset. My brother reassured me we would be fine, and we made the walk back without incident. However, I didn't get any sleep that night. Whether it was the thing that screeched at us or just my imagination, I heard things moving around the campsite the whole night as well as whispers echoing through the darkness outside the trailer. I woke my brother up a few times to check out what it was, but he refused each time, telling me that it was probably just other campers staying up late and enjoying themselves. The rest of the trip was pretty normal. We packed up the following day and my life continued as normal. I was disconcerted but chalked what happened up as a harmless event that I must have been exaggerating in retrospect. A few weeks later I went up to Pine Basin, an old ski lodge my family rented each year for family reunions. Here I would mess around with my cousins, our favorite activities being night games. We would play hide and seek, a game called Ghosts in the Graveyard, and other games like that. In one instance, I was chosen to be the seeker for a hide and seek game. Because I was one of the younger cousins, I got a flashlight as an advantage. Normally, all the younger cousins hid close to the lodge and the older cousins hid in the trees or at the base of the nearby mountain. As I was searching near the bottom of the mountain, I heard a familiar whistle up the mountain a bit, we would always whistle as a hint at our locations. It sounded like someone was hiding way up near a tree known as the Underwear Tree, you can guess why, so I began trekking up toward the whistle. As I climbed closer, I got an uneasy feeling in my stomach. I continued on warily and convinced myself that I would be fine. I hated walking in the night alone but figured whoever I find would walk me back to the lodge. As I neared the tree, I noticed that it was deathly silent. This alerted me that something was very wrong because you could always hear the adults having fun back at the lodge. I was anxious to hurry back, so I called out I found you Scott, I thought the whistle was my older cousin's, come back down with me. I got no reply, but I wasn't planning on waiting. As I began walking back down the path, I heard a voice call you almost had me, so I ran back up to investigate. I flashed my light in the branches of the tree and saw a monstrosity that was not my cousin. It looked like a poorly drawn stick figure made into a human with its emaciated figure and lifeless eyes. I remember its face looked like the skin on its head was being pulled from behind. It had torn and stretched features. As soon as I saw the creature I screamed, dropped the flashlight, and ran back to the lodge. The entire time I ran I was overcome by an overpowering smell and I could hear the thing running after me. As I approached the camp I saw a few people, my cousins, at the bottom of the mountain waiting for me. I was crying and shaking and they took me inside. I told my dad what happened, but my cousins all said they didn't see anything following me. The adults kept us inside for the night, and I kept hearing sounds drifting in from the mountains. I never played night games after that happened, and was always terrified that my cousins wouldn't listen to my warnings. Ever since that night, I have always felt uneasy up in those mountains. I used to be really religious and figured it was a demon of some kind trying to kill me or something like that but those mountains have never felt the same after that incident. A few years ago the game Until Dawn became really popular and I watched a walkthrough of it on YouTube. When the Wendigo first appeared in the game, I got chills down my spine. It was exactly what I saw, and I did a ton of research on them. I figure someone must have gotten snowed in at that old lodge and resorted to cannibalism, but that doesn't explain what happened at Warm River. I still hear that screech from time to time, it never occurred to me until watching until dawn that they might be from the same thing, and it scares the hell out of me every time. I heard it earlier tonight, and that's why I decided to finally write my story down. When I was 16, I went out with my friends Jay and Harley to a large park with a lake and massive grass hills. It was already dark since it was winter, and we sat down to talk after finishing school. We were situated on a hill with a forest to our right and thick grass bushes behind us. While we were chatting, Jay, who was the loud one in our group, started whistling and shouting due to the echo it created. Suddenly, we all heard the same whistle back at us from behind the bushes. We were confused because we knew it couldn't have been the echo. Jay shouted at the sound to provoke it, which frightened me. After a while, something screamed back at us, faint but clear, making my heart drop. Jay then suggested we go investigate and we followed him. As we walked closer to the bushes, we strayed off towards the exit passage, telling him we should leave. However, he claimed to see eyes and something darted at him. We all ran through the passage, and Jay was screaming while me and Harley were in disbelief. Once we reached the road, we looked back and shouted Jay's name. After five minutes, he stumbled out of the darkness and fell to our feet. We walked away from there as fast as we could, not talking about what had happened. The next day, we met up again and found out that Jay was covered in black and yellow bruises. I have no evidence to prove this story, but I wanted to share it nonetheless. In this case, it's not something I saw, but something I didn't see. Girlfriend and I were in the Tetons last summer when we had to make a pit stop near the end of our week-long camping trip. We turned into the Spread Creek campground area to get away from the traffic on the main road going towards Jackson. We found out later that our discreet pee spot was only 25 yards away from where Gabby Petito's body was eventually discovered. This was only a day after she was last heard from again, so she was likely already laying there. Felt horrible and helpless to learn what happened to her after the fact especially since we were only a stone's throw away. In 2015 I took a trip through Northern Arizona, I live in Phoenix, hiking, taking photos, and enjoying nature. At one location it was late so I decided to park for a few hours or spend the night in my truck. I had the truck turned off, with the window down. There was a huge full moon in the sky behind me, I was looking at it in my outside rearview mirror. Then this being walked from my left to my right, about 4-6 feet behind the tail of my truck. It stopped and looked at me. It was about 8 feet tall, very skinny with long arms with the elbow lower than ours would be. The neck was about a foot long pointing forward a bit, oval head and what looked like a four-foot tube extending from the jaw down forward, almost like a very long beard coming to a point. The moon was behind it so I saw it in silhouette. It walked very slowly like it was struggling to move. I tried to roll up my window but the truck was off. Slowly it slightly turned its shoulders towards me and that long freakish neck turned like an insect would. The face looking right at me. I thought that was it, I'm dead. It looked so skinny I figured it was hungry. I had my hand on the keys, if it came towards me I'd turn the truck on, roll up the window and take off. The head turned back forward and it walked on. I waited a minute then started the truck and took off. A few months later I decided to go back but in the daytime. I found the exact spot. There was nothing there but dirt and desert. No buildings for miles, all dirt roads. I traveled around the area since I was there, did a bit of hiking then came upon a place and parked. It looked like an old crash site, with a hole in the ground, big rocks all burned, and bushes growing in it. Whatever happened there happened a long time ago. Then I heard digging sounds, like heavy machinery, trucks backing up and making the beep beep sound, like a lot of them but there was nothing around me for miles, just desert. I drove around a bit to see where the sound was coming from but I was all alone out there. I went back to that spot and could clearly hear lots of trucks busy at work, like major digging construction machines. I then got on my knees and put my ear to the ground. The digging sound was coming from underground. I thought that was odd, nothing around that would identify that area for construction. Out in the desert on a very simple road, saw no one pass by at all. Then I noticed out in the desert two big white shiny pickup trucks facing me, windows were black. They seemed to appear out of nowhere, then behind me were two more. It was just me, the four trucks, and a lot of people digging under me. I got concerned, got back in my truck, and left. After a bit, I slowed down. No one was following me so I drove until I got to the next road. There was an underpass to the road to go north. I take a right to go south, go onto the underpass and take a left. At both exits were the same big white pickup trucks, the glass-tinted black and waiting. Whichever way I turned one of them would be behind me. I headed south and the truck behind me immediately took off after me. The other truck turned around and followed. The truck was right on my bumper. It was so large I couldn't see in its window but it was tinted so dark I'd not seen anyone driving anyway. I was going 90 miles an hour, and as it was right on my tail the other one tried to overtake me. I was weaving between two lanes to keep it from passing, As I'd gone into the left lane to block the second truck the one behind me tried to pass me on my right. This went on for miles until there was an exit with a few shops there. I took that exit, and both trucks slowed, did a U-turn, and retired back. I knew they had my license plate, so I figured I was screwed. I uncovered something they didn't want to be found. I went home and just waited for a knock on the door or to be shot or whatever. Nothing happened. I got no contact, no warning, nothing. I was afraid to tell my friends as they might be incriminated, too. Years passed and nothing happened. It's been seven years now, and I've never gone back to either location. By me seeing that thing walking and where I heard the digging underground and very earthly trucks trying to run me off the road, could there be a connection? I don't know, I stopped going out into the desert from then on. Do you have some ideas about the thing I saw? I'd love some answers. I guess we all would. I was at Mount Robson National Park, deep in the backcountry. We had set up our camp and we just relaxing around the fire. A girl, let's call her Sue, stumbled into camp, quite obviously distressed. Sue was sobbing and could barely speak. We went to her, and tried to find out what had happened. Sue was in rough shape and was having difficulty communicating with us. We managed to get out of Sue that her friend was lost. We sent one person to run to the closest warden's cabin to get help, about 5 kilometers away. They responded, and within a few hours the RCMP, search and rescue and park staff were on site. A helicopter came in to drop off people and pick up Sue to take her to the hospital for treatment. So here is what happened. Sue and her friend were hiking what is called the North Boundary Trail, a very remote part of the park that has some tricky river crossings. Sue's friend slipped on one of these crossings and fell into the fast-moving current and was swept away. Sue searched for her downstream for a full day before deciding to hike out on her own. Sue hiked out. Another two full days and said she didn't sleep much, laid down once in a while but was too scared to sleep so just kept walking. We were the first people she saw three days after losing her friend. I never heard whether they recovered Sue's friend's body. So I was hiking in north-central Pa forest country with my girlfriend. Weekend hike. Like 30 miles. In the middle of an absolutely black moonless night I couldn't sleep, she was lightly sleeping next to me. I was lying there listening to the sounds of the woods with my eyes open or closed, it was the same either way. Then, I saw a light moving in the distance through the Cuban mesh tent fabric. It was a small dim light that looked like a flashlight being carried. I thought it might be a park ranger. I see those guys from time to time. I thought it might be a night hiker. I do that sometimes. I had no idea what it was but I was absolutely certain it was headed towards us. The light followed a roughly wave-shaped path through the trees, meandering slowly in our direction. I called out to it and woke up my girlfriend. I shouted hey! and stuff like that. I verified with her that we were both awake and both seeing the same thing. It moved silently. There is no question that whatever it is it knows we are there and absolutely is coming over to inspect us. I was freaking out a little. Shouting go away, she yelled at it. I was too chicken shit to unzip the tent and confront it. I'm not kidding you. I was terrified. The light approached the tent. Did a circle around us. And left the way out came. Floating up and down, snaking its way back into the forest without a sound. We were completely shaken by the experience but it was over and we had zero answers. After the hike we asked the rangers at the station if anyone had reported seeing floating lights but they just looked at us like we were high. Sober as a judge the whole trip. For two years I sat with that experience in my brain. Until it happened again. Same girlfriend. Same tent. Same time of night. Different forest, still north-central PA. Same kind of weekend loop hike. We saw it again. Through the thin fabric of our tent the light was blurry but unmistakable. And again it floated towards us. Up and down. Then it made contact. It landed on the tent. It was a firefly. It had always been a firefly. Sometimes fireflies leave their butts on for extended periods of time when they're lost and searching for others. My tent had reflectors on the zippers and lines. The bugs saw their own reflection and came to investigate. For two years I thought I had seen the supernatural. One night in the summer, when I was about 10 or 11, I was awake in the middle of the night and I could hear the horses running around the pasture as if something had happened. I decided to get up and go check on things. At that time my family had a massive old barn and we lived in the middle of nowhere. I walked through the door of the barn and found a very large man, as white as snow, climbing into the hayloft. I remember being startled but not scared. He turned around, looked at me, and slowly lowered himself back. He took a few steps before he knelt down and put out his hand, like one would do with a stray animal. As I looked at him I felt like he looked sad and tired and not at all like he would do me any harm. I decided to take his hand and walk him toward our kids' hangout space which was just a space in the barn where we had some old couches, a few toys, and a radio. As soon as he saw the radio he became more animated, ran towards it, and started messing around with it. That went on for a bit and I kept asking him what he needed the radio for. He never said a word. Not one word. He wouldn't give me a name so I started calling him radio. After some time he sat the radio down and sat down on the couch. I brought over my favorite horse book and started thumbing through the pages, showing him all of my favorite horse breeds. Eventually, he gently took the book from me and closed it as if to say I'm done. I got up to put the book away and he lay down on the couch. I remember him being so large that his head was on the armrest while his legs hung over the other armrest, at the knee. He was a giant. Fewer white and I don't recall any hair. His eyes were jet black, but they weren't huge. Hey, it's
0: Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,
2: After he fell asleep I decided to go back in the house and go to bed, but I put a blanket over him before I went in. I woke up in the morning and the whole experience came flooding back to me. My feet were dirty as if I had been outside during the night. I grabbed some snacks and ran out to the barn. I ran to our hangout space and found everything as I would have expected it. The blanket was on the floor, the book was sitting on the table, and the radio was out of place. But he was gone. It's important to know that I had a habit of sleepwalking at this time in my life, so it's possible that this was all just a dream. At first, I thought he was just a very strange person and I hoped he found safety. The memory never left me and by the time I was a teen I had decided that I dreamed the whole thing and let it go. Then the film Prometheus came out and I agreed to go see it with friends. When the tall white alien came on the screen I nearly jumped out of my seat. It wasn't an exact likeness but it was like seeing a ghost. At the time, I knew absolutely nothing about aliens and the only one I had ever heard of was the classic little green men. Nonetheless, I forced myself to let it go and move on. That memory could not be real so I must have dreamed it. As time passed I started wondering how I could have imagined a being that I had never heard of could that have really happened? Could radio be real? Has anyone else had an experience like this? In Wyoming my co-worker and I were doing a survey miles from any road or property and I spotted a couple of big rocks that had been laid against another rock jutting out of a hill. This made a small cave shelter big enough for a person to lay down in. I walked around the other side of it to see inside. It was blocked with a tarp but I could see some bags and boots in there. After taking some pictures prior to disturbing anything I removed the tarp and found an A-frame backpack, pink hiking boots and a black duffel bag. The A-frame backpack had nothing inside and neither did the hiking boots. The black duffel bag had a big black jacket directly inside probably to protect what was underneath. Under that was an old early 2000s laptop and charger and an early 2000s camcorder and charger in the main pocket. Underneath that was a bunch of camcorder tapes labeled things like 2013 stories and New York experiments. Then came a yellow folder full of letters to various people and a shit ton of driver's licenses. I didn't look at all of them but they were all of different people and the oldest I saw was ACA license from 1976. At this point I am kind of scared but also there are two zippered pockets remaining on the duffel. One on the right and one on the left. The right pocket held more letters and licenses crammed into the pocket. I moved those aside and found a hockey mask. Like a Jason horror movie hockey mask. The left pocket held a black ski mask complete with eye holes and a mouth cut out. Inside the mask was a smartphone and charger. Underneath all of that? a 9mm Glock and boxes of bullets. Frightened my co-worker and I hiked until we got service and called the land agency law enforcement. I was rather nervous I was going to get in trouble for disturbing a crime scene or something but they seemed very bored by the whole thing. The next day we hiked out with law enforcement to show them the whole thing, I put everything back before leaving, and they boxed it up, thanked me and said well this is the weirdest thing I've seen. This was less than a year ago and I really want to know what happened with it all. I live out in the cornfields, I used to hike my neighbor's cornfield all the time, with permission from my neighbor who owned the cornfield. He knew my family because my dad dated his daughter way back when, and he liked him. Of course my dad and his daughter broke up, but he still liked my dad, even more so when my mom and dad became his neighbors. He had a brook running through the cornfield for natural irrigation. This brook was part of a river that spanned pretty much the whole county and it entered on his property in a forest that was on the edge of his property and my other neighbor's property. It was 100% his property, and not mine nor the other neighbors. So one day, when I was young, I followed this brook to the forest simply because it was summer and I had no school and nothing better to do. What I found was this nice little waterfall, not too big and not too small. It was perfect, especially with the canopy of the forest covering it. It was my little hideaway from the rest of the world. When we had a dry spell I would go there and relax on the bank of the brook and look at all the minnows and spawn that had been swept away from farther upstream but when it had been raining the entire area was flooded so I couldn't even get to it let alone relax on the bank. After so many years in cub scouts and scouts I learned the importance of keeping that area clean, and I did just that. I followed what I learned from scouting and left no trace, because it was a beautiful ria, and I wanted to preserve it for my next visit. Well that all changed when the other neighbor died and a family with young kids moved into his old house. Remember this wasn't their property but it was close to it. One day I went there and I found what could only be described as a war scene. The waterfall had been diverted, the brook had been dammed, and there were toys and plastic bottles and wrappers everywhere. I knew immediately this was the doing of my new neighbor's kids. This place of nature and peace, had become the playground for a bunch of inconsiderate children. The minnows and spawn were almost gone, I saw buckets full of them so my only guess is that the kids were collecting them and keeping them as pets. The most messed up thing I have ever seen is an area that everyone would consider beautiful and peaceful turned into a playground for inconsiderate children who could care less what they leave behind or do to it. I was solo hiking in familiar territory in a state park in Northern Illinois. Went to check my phone for a map cause I got turned around and realized it had died, so at this point I'm a little worried but not really because the sun wasn't setting for another 3-4 to hours. Decided to take liberty to explore, and came across a tight path leading into what I thought was a clearing. The clearing consisted of waist-high grass, with trees scattered around. Every branch about 10-15 to feet up the trees was broken off, and very neatly constructed into an arch about 8 feet high. I could stand under it and reach my arms up and couldn't touch it. Right next to it was a hut, I could stand in that too no problem. No signs of encampment, or old fires, no trash. And no other paths leading out of the clearing outside of the one I came from. The whole vibe was very eerie, wish I had taken pictures or marked the location but my phone was dead went back the next day to see if i could retrace my steps and couldn't find it haven't been able to make my way back there since hiking in japan went up to a trio of mountains to see the three correlating shrines each a bit more remote and trail more treacherous than the last they weren't that dangerous but the final trail had a sheer drop you edged past by holding a chain nailed into the cliff. Came down the last mountain on what I would now consider to be the wrong side. I was coming down an old service road and there was clear evidence of landslides. Wasn't too worried about it that particular day because it had been dry for weeks. Anyway, get roughly to the base of this mountain and can only describe what I walked through as a shanty town but the boxes and sheet metal the houses were built from were basically more spread apart. I guess it was more of a camp than a town. Anyway, the service road was dotted with these constructions for about 100 meters or so. No one was outside, but you know how you can sort of sense eyes on you? Yeah. I did actually spot a couple pairs of eyes peering out at me once or twice. It definitely felt like I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be. Plus it was getting dark and I was racing back to the bus stop, since it was fairly remote it only came once every several hours. I ended up beating feet out of there, but it was a very weird, eerie experience. I can only guess I had stumbled upon some kind of homeless population that had holed up in what appeared to be an old campground, there were very poorly maintained pagodas and restrooms nearby as well as fire pits. I later did some very cursory digging to see what I could find out about the area, but it didn't really produce anything. The right side of the mountain was a cozy little riverside village. You'd never guess that its polar opposite was just on the other side of a mountain. Was all very bizarre. It's all kind of a fever dream of a memory. My buddy Our dogs and I were on our way back from South Zapata Lake in the Rio Grande, Colorado, you pass a historic log cabin about one half mile and right after the first stream crossing. I noticed a strong smoky smell and could see a thin hair of smoke rising inside the log cabin's fire ring. We put it out with our Nalgene water and, similar to the top post, We're 100% sure the wind would have stoked it and the building would be ashes and the surrounding forest if we didn't. I've seen some pretty strange Canadian trailer park slash backwoods areas in the Big East River in Muskoka, Ontario. My trip was doing the meanest link route, 18 day, and we stayed near this cabin called the exotic Muskoka hunting lounge, nothing notably F up, just a lot of random machinery and items scattered about just a general hills have eyes feeling I guess. Also, didn't help my friend was lost for seven hours the day after while taking the wrong turn on an ATV trail portaging the river bend. If a lone ATV driver didn't stumble upon him carrying his cedar canvas canoe, he would have slept under it that night. We were about 15 days into a 21-day trip in Algonquin Provincial Park staying the night on Eustache Lake, a gorgeous, Deep Lake nestled just outside the Petawawa River, and were met by a lone traveler stating he'd embarked on a 30-day trip. He asked us if we had any sugar while on the river, and our head guide said we didn't have any extra provisions. A few hours pass and he bumps into our crew again near the Eustache Portage. He asks, again, if we have any extra food/slash supplies for him, and the head guide sternly said no. After this, he continued to paddle down the river. Our trip completes the 2.6 kilometers portage and makes camp at the biggest site on the lake, one of three. As we're cooking dinner, we see the solo traveler paddle in at dusk and all the campers, myself included, got some super eerie vibes seeing him paddle in. Like a shadow paddling across the water. On my 45-day trip to Hudson Bay, we saw a polar bear eating a dead polar bear right near the bay. Spent the night in Fort Severn. The dead polar bear resembled an uncooked rotisserie chicken about the size of a, a. VW Jetta. Once went camping in North Dakota. Had a large group of wild bison come by into our campsite, which apparently was common according to the ranger. What was uncommon, however, was the dead coyote hanging off the horn of one of the big males' horns. Yes, apparently coyotes will try to attack the young calves if they think they can get a straggler. Yes, bison horns can gore a coyote pretty nastily. No, no one was brave enough to try and get the coyote corpse off the bison, nor did the bison really seem to mind having a dead animal on its head. Years ago when I was a kid, My cousins and I went exploring my aunt's property at the time. She once owned a shit ton of land of mainly forests so it was perfect for hiking around for literal miles and camping out. There was always something new to see too. Including an old destroyed barn. It was pretty much all fallen apart, no roof, with only a couple walls mostly standing. Inside the barn were a bunch of rusty metal things, maybe some kind of old farm equipment, But none of us knew what they were or what they were used for, and the skeletal remains of a horse. Not a complete skeleton, but lots of bones and the skull. None of us knew about the barn or the horse, not even my aunt or uncle. We just left everything there, but my one cousin buried the horse because she felt bad for it. I wish I could go back there again, but my aunt sold the property years ago and it's mostly developments now with some patches of trees here and there. Hiking around on that land was something in my childhood I'll always cherish, but the horse skeleton always stuck with me. Why was it there, was it abandoned and left to die, or did it just die and whoever owned it never bothered to bury it? It was definitely the weirdest thing I've ever come across while hiking in the woods. A friend and I were day hiking on a somewhat off the beaten path part of a trail near a local swimming hole. We stopped to have a snack next to the creek and shortly after we noticed a middle-aged man wearing short neon orange wind shorts walking quickly up the trail toward us on the other side of the creek. When he was directly across the creek from us, he sat down on a rock, maybe 10 to 15 feet away from us. He was somewhat obscured by vegetation, but we heard what sounded like him squeezing sunscreen into his hands or something. We didn't think much of it at first, but he just sat there staring at us and moving kind of weird. We finally realized he was vigorously jerking off. We started yelling at him to go away and through the apples we were eating at him as we grabbed our backpacks to leave. I swear I heard his jizz hit the water as he finished. All of this happened in like less than 5 minutes. We got the F out of there and warned a couple we ran into on the trail near the parking lot our way out. I don't know if he had been waiting or the opportunity just presented itself. It's not so much that the action itself was shocking to me, but it was the first time I realized that as a woman I still have to be aware of my surroundings when I'm camping or hiking like I would going to my car at night in a parking lot. Before that, I'd always felt safer in nature because I didn't think I had to worry about people. I am a small woman who loves solo camping. I know all the stories. I know it can be dangerous. I do my research, and I go in safe as I can, not a gun person, but I bring the loud alarms, bear and pepper spray, and I always stop at the ranger sites on the way in to say hey, I'm here, this where I'm going to be, and this is when I'm hiking back out. I am very aware of my surroundings. I usually go late fall because I hate the heat and backpack in. This time of year, I'm often the only source of light for a while around. Which means all the moths come to me and my fire, and then all the bats beat at the side of my tent for an hour or so after I stop reading and turn off all the lights. It was creepy my first year, but I didn't mind it anymore. It was about half an hour after all the bats had given up slash eaten all the bugs I'd drawn to my little oasis when I started hearing them beating their wings in the trees again. I gathered my sprays and horn, but it was just the beating of their wings, no light, so I figured maybe they had decided to nest over my campsite? I tried to go to sleep. But my neck was prickly. About an hour later, I heard screaming. Human screaming. I tried to call the ranger number, but no signal. I stayed awake all night and heard nothing else. Hiked out that day. Rangers said they didn't know anything. Went back, packed my shit up, and went home, even though I had another few days of vacation left. Didn't feel right. A few weeks later it was reported that two women went missing in that park while I was there. Never found. I still go solo camping. I always follow my gut. I came across a girl's tent near the summit of my hike and thought nothing of it at first but then I could hear whimpering from inside the tent. I asked if anything was okay and she asked are they gone yet? I asked who? And she just started crying really loudly. I opened the tent to find her naked, covered in dirt, and a bloody face as if someone punched her in the nose. Apparently she was joking by herself near dawn to see the sun rise at the summit and set up her tent at a place where she could get a good view. A group of guys saw that she was alone and decided to rape her. I didn't get the details of the story as that was all she told me. I called 911 and they dispatched a ranger to meet us on the trail. She was taken to the local hospital for a rape kit and her testimony. I quickly went home as well. The really sad part was I heard her say she just turned 18 a few days ago to the ranger when he asked for her age. The poor girl was out there celebrating her 18th birthday by herself only to have this happen to her. My husband and I used to live near a nature preserve in our city. One day we were hiking one of the trails and ended up off trail on another dirt road that soon became overgrown then we started seeing doll heads. Randomly hanging or nestled in the trees, and little figurines. It was weird as shit. A few years later we were on another trail that required us to walk down someone's driveway to access it. An elderly couple was driving by in their car and stopped to say hi. The wife mentioned whenever the grandkids visit they have scavenger hunts in the woods, that her husband hides little toys for them to find their property backed up perfectly with the trail we found several years before. They were a sweet couple but I still thought it was creepy af randomly stumbling upon them. I'm a hunter, but seeing as I spend a huge amount of time hiking through moose country both hunting and scouting, I figure I'm technically a hiker as well. Found a big bull moose carcass, very obviously shot and left to rot, possibly poached so we reported it to the game wardens. It might not be as grotesque or scary as some of these other stories, but it pisses me off. How pathetic do you have to be to simply shoot an animal and leave it to rot? You took its life, you have a duty to it to not let its death be in vain. Also, while hiking through an old logging slash, I saw a pale pink thing, out in front of me. I figured it was probably a gut pile from a previously killed moose, so I obviously went to investigate the kill site out of curiosity. I walk up to the thing, and I find out that it's actually a decently large toy horse. What the F is this doing all the way out here? I poked it with my rifle, and picked it up, and while the side that was exposed to the sun was pale, the other side was a dark red, maroon color. I was hiking a 1,400-foot trail. I got to the peak and appreciated the view. It was cloudy at the top and the mist added to the serenity. As I turned to go back down I stopped dead in my tracks after hearing gunfire. First a few shots then semi-automatic gunfire. I went about 300 feet before seeing another person. They were scared too. I could hear the sound getting louder as I walked down. With my heart beating 130 BPM I ran into a guy and his two sons coming up the trail. I asked him about the gunfire and he said oh don't worry that's my wacky neighbor. I live right next door to him. They do this all weekend. Their plot is next to the trail. I sighed and kept going down. As I got to my car I sat in it for a while trying to catch my breath. I stepped out and as I was changing my shoes the guy with the two kids came across me and smiled. I see you made it down okay. Don't worry about him, he's just crazy about shooting cans in his yard. I nodded and smiled, vowing not to go back there too soon. It was a beautiful trail too. I was camped in the backcountry on a solo PCT trip in 2012. Got up early and had a short hiking day so I left my tent set up and walked to a nice waterfall a few hundred yards away to watch the sun rise and wash my face. I got back about an hour later and all my stuff had been stolen. Tent, sleeping stuff, backpack, clothing, trekking poles. I was several cross-country miles from any road. Alone. All I had left was my phone and my bare canister, stored away from the camp natch, with a couple days worth of food and actually my stove, which was only in there because the canister was relatively empty so I didn't have to keep it with the rest of my stuff. Definitely the most f up thing ever. Went hiking in a trail in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. There is a ravine at the bottom of the hill and there were police at the entrance of the trail telling everyone not to go down to the ravine where Teresa waterfall because there have been numerous deaths over the years. We still went down. After looking at the beautiful waterfall, as we start to climb back up, Teresa group of four, 2m2f. In front of us heading back up and one of the guys slips and starts falling down the hill and couldn't catch himself so he was sprinting downhill at extreme speeds and got crushed into a pile of rocks. He was okay, blood everywhere and was rushed to the hospital, but it was definitely the most messed up thing I have ever seen considering the police beforehand told everyone not to go down into the Ravine because people die from it. I was about 16, it was 2009 and I lived in a rural area in northern NSW, Australia. I used to bushwalk in the surrounding bushland with my dogs. I would often hike up to the ridgeline overlooking a neighboring valley, but I'd never ventured down as it was private property and there were a lot of dodgy people growing wheat in the area and they could be fiercely protective of their crops. Anyway, I digress. It was coming on dusk in midwinter and I had the sudden compulsion to venture down into the valley and explore the forest at its bottom. I found a cattle trail and followed it. There were heaps of hoof prints and scattered among them, dozens of paw prints. Several minutes pass and the fog is beginning to settle in. I enter a clearing and there's clearly been some kind of disturbance. My healers are going mad, racing about and sniffing wildly. Something in the middle of the clearing catches their attention and I investigate, all the while the hair on the back of my neck is standing on end. Lo and behold, a grass-filled cow stomach is lying in the mud. There are no signs of the rest of the cow, just the stomach. I made a swift exit and never went down that way again but the wild dogs in the area did end up nearly killing one of my dogs about a year later when she intercepted a pack of them crossing through our bottom paddock our other dog we adopted from a neighboring farmer, who claimed he had found her with her dead mother on the side of the road. He reckoned she had been a feral. Needless to say an incredibly eerie experience and one I'll never forget. In my 20s, my dumbass went camping near Hagerman, Idaho at a little gravel beach spot right off the Snake River. It was myself, my fiancé and his best friend. They stayed up a little too late Friday night and I woke up a little too early Saturday morning. Bored, I hiked up through some large boulders on the side of a rocky cliff, that was about 300 feet so I could watch the sunrise. It was a cool July morning, 50s, so I didn't bring more than a small bottle of water, not realizing the desert heats up way faster than you'd ever imagine once that sun hits the horizon. Within 40 minutes of the sun coming up, I decide that it's hitting 70 plus degrees already and time to head back. Going down was going to be more precarious because there wasn't exactly a trail. Also with the heat came the rattlesnakes. Hundreds of them, not just one or two, but literally slithering out and curling up goddamned everywhere in the crevices between the rocks. I didn't have a stick or way to gently coerce them to move. So I had no option but to get onto the boulders and do my best to hop from rock to rock without killing myself or provoking them. I've never seen or expected so many snakes in one area. But with so little water, no sunscreen on and the mid-July desert waiting to dehydrate me to oblivion, stopping was not an option. My campmates were sleeping off a boozy night and wouldn't hear me call for help even if I'd tried. I've never been bothered by snakes in the past but the scene in Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark came swimming to mind with a brand new appreciation. It took me about 90 minutes to get up the cliff and about 4 hours of precarious leaps to get back down. I finally hit safety around 9.30am and vowed at that point to never do stupid shit like that again. Mother nature is metal, and she'll remind you she's the boss every single time. Okay so in 2006 when I first started working at Walmart at 20 I used to walk several miles home every day down a long highway. Every now and then I used to get picked up by people who were very nice and saw I was suffering out in the heat in the middle of summer with my shirt off and just a wife beater on. Well one day a guy picks me up and seems cool at first but then he started telling me how he is a modeling agent and was looking for talent. He asked if that was something I was interested in and I wasn't sure but was wondering where this was going. He started asking me if I have body hair on my body which I answered until he started asking if I had any hair on my ass and other private places. At this point the danger alarms were ringing in my head and I just wanted to get out of that car extremely fast. I asked him to drop me off at some random neighborhood that was about 20 minutes from where I live and I just walked into the staircase and waited about 15 minutes to make sure he wasn't around and couldn't follow me home. And then I walked home looking over my shoulder the whole way. To this day it freaks me out the vibes the guy gave me. I felt that if I didn't get out of that car I was never gonna make it home. And I just realized I misread the op and it's about hiking, not hitchhiking lol. Went hiking at this shitty state park in East Texas. First of all you drive down this long dirt road past a cemetery where they're having funerals. Then when you finally find the unmarked parking lot, you can see the buzzards all over. Walk down to the lake and the smell of rotting dead animal is overpowering. Buzzards everywhere. Bones everywhere. Finally you can hear the ranch nearby and upstream shooting and I put it all together. These assholes were shooting varmints and throwing them in the part of the river or creek that would wash them into the lake. The carcasses would eventually wash on shore and rot or be eaten by buzzards. Buzzard shit, rotting meat, and bones everywhere. Gross. Not rally a hiker but I live in the woods and occasionally you see weird shit you'd be shocked at how often bucks will try to jump or run through a tree, at full gallop, with two shoots from one root, think a V-shape, and instantly break their neck or get stuck with their horns past the tree but can't squeeze out. They either die immediately and are propped up by the tree or slowly starve in that position. The bottom line is it's not exactly rare to stumble across what looks like a rotting deer standing between two trees. Especially along paths, game trails where predators will chase them. Another fun creepy thing with deer, that's probably related to the above, is chronic wasting disease, mad cow, CJD for deer. I swear, it literally turns deer into walking zombies, with giant wounds showing internal organs, rotting necrotic tissue, growths hanging off them, milky eyes, etc. In other words, the full animal zombie experience, It's incredibly infectious without predators to call them so it's affecting whole herds of deer. If you decide to google it, do it on an empty stomach, seriously, it's that nasty. I've heard stories and seen videos of bucks literally bashing their heads to pulp on rocks until they're dead. It rots their brain and weakens them so much they just kind of go on autopilot and do all kinds of context inappropriate deer things.